0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the tipping point—or as I call it, tipping points, plural. Um, <laughs> we got to work on that, right? Uh, yeah. It, is it what tip- do people
1: think? I mean, the argument against the tipping point is that it's like a book, yeah, and it's kind of weird. And people are like, "Does the guy mind?" And I'm like, uh, "He doesn't really know yet." And <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh. But it's funny that you
1: always like, organically just call it tipping points, and, and, and more—it's actually more accurate because we're.
0: We're talking about points. We're talking yeah, there's about, there's a number of tipping points. In yeah. Each
1: episode we touch on a couple. Yeah, um, it's not like it's always about the tipping point, which yeah. is what we're calling it. So, the one, yeah, that okay. may be more elegant. I don't know how iTunes will deal with us changing the name. <laughs> so I'll look into that, and we may become the tipping points tipping or tipping points. points. No, the just
0: tipping points just tipping points okay yeah okay all right yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all what right. we're thinking um well, uh, <laughs> we'll figure out what we're actually called <laughs> but, but there's bigger crises in our yeah. lives right let's now. do some intros here i am uh john house wilson and i am your uh co-host um and uh yeah i'm here as always with with matthew edge um or Matt edge i think Matt edge we're really focusing on names here. Yeah. Um Matt Matthew Edge, who is the executive director of the People's Empowerment Project. Uh Action. Action. Peppa. I got the A. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh yeah, they are the purveyors of democracy coffee. Go out and drink it. Um we are actually just the two of us tonight. And I think it's because we we're gonna have a debate. We have a, a little it's not debate two, slash discussion. Yeah, discussion, it? debate discussion. Uh friendly. Um and yeah, I think it's gonna be the two of us throwing down um, and listening and being compassionate. Um, but, uh, first we want to talk a little bit, um, about, uh, last week's podcast, which I guess it was two weeks ago. Um, which was really, it was about the primary. It was about, uh, Bernie, Biden, you know, uh, Warren, all the, all the greats, Harris, um, and our rubric, um, that you've been developing. And uh yeah, it was it was it was a lively discussion. We had uh Chriso and Julia with us um to discuss it. And yeah, we just wanted to kind of tie into that and then tie that into the topic for today. So Matt, what do you got to say?
1: Well, so we yeah, we ended on a on a note um basically making making putting the the case
0: for Biden. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I just, I wanna, we need to watch <laughs> that language. I, I was not making a case for Biden. I think it wasn't your position. I understood it that way. Well, no, well, no. I mean, it is something that's a concern of mine, but it is, it's not the case for Biden. It's that there are some serious risks, um, out there. If you are an honest political candidate who wants to revolutionary, make, make revolutionary change. Right. Right. Um, and that those risks are big money. Um, and the corporate powers that be, and some of the uh, some of the corruption, corrupt individuals and institutions out there that are working against um, democracy and our interests.
1: I, I think it's fair to say that all of global capitalism will be pretty much going to war, we're releasing the dogs of war if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren are the nominee. That we're going to have really, really powerful people and interested organizations throwing down. Um I mean Warren's talking about breaking up Facebook. Yeah. Like these are corporations whose they'll see their survival on the line and are going to pull out all the stops and it's a serious thing. And I, I think one of one of my takeaways is like if you're going to vote for Warren or Sanders like I almost feel like you need to be ready to throw down like volunteer because those candidates are not going to win with a passive electorate we're, it would it's going to take a real grassroots endeavor yeah but john so i know you're you're you know was sort of half playing devil's advocate you know talking about that and i know we've talked about it a little bit more how could you maybe how, how how might we sort of round out that discussion like we don't want to you know
0: sort of leave the argument for the bad guys and then
1: then just be like, peace. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. And, and part of this is, and I, and I've been saying this lately is that I, you know, I I think it's Bernie in particular. Um, but you know, Hey, we, I I don't want to be too biased here, but that we have the first chance in my lifetime, um, to have a genuinely progressive presidential candidate, and in, and in Bernie, I think one that who has demonstrated deep commitment to reform and progress um, and good governance and yeah this is the first chance in my lifetime that i, I yeah, the first time I ever voted it was it was Bush Gore. Yeah, for chance um, in general election. Yeah, yeah. And and there were people out there, I think, who were supporting great causes. Dennis Kucinich, Ralph Nader. These are people who wanted to reform systems, who wanted to tackle corruption. Um but in general, in regards to like having a presidential candidate who is a top tier candidate who could win a general election, this is the first time in my lifetime that I do feel like we have a chance of having someone like Bernie Sanders be president. Mm-hmm. And so that that to me is it means this is a different paradigm. Even if there are powerful forces aligned against a candidate such as that, this is a amazing opportunity. Um and and as I think you've mentioned many times, the 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 stakes are very high.
1: Yeah, and that's that's kind of for me the KO argument in in why Biden really can't be the Democratic nominee all the electoral electoral math stuff aside, all the electability stuff aside, what Biden's proposing to tackle climate change is insufficient. And I know he likes, like, his moderation is part of his brand, you know, um, and that's kind of what he's trying to sell. But the climate doesn't negotiate. The climate isn't a, a swing voter. There's certain mm-hmm. things, certain expenditures that, that will be a tipping point in the climate and certain amount that that science is saying it won't and what what biden is proposing uh to deal with the climate is insufficient and and from somebody who's been a student of of politics for some time what i've noticed is every time a candidate makes a promise that politician tends to fall short on that promise (laughs) so wait a minute
0: (laughs) hold on a second that I have never, I gotta process for a minute. That does not sound right.
1: And so, so if, if, if what he's proposing falls short, then what he's actually able to accomplish will be significantly less than what he's proposing. Then it's, 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 that's. A failed, we, then we'll fail to do what we need to do to save the species, and so that's like end of discussion. Hang up the phone. Sorry, mm. Biden. No. Yeah. So his his
0: current proposals are not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. It's it's not revolutionary enough. It's not going to transform the economy fast enough. It's not going to tackle carbon um, and other greenhouse gases. He's not thinking big. Yeah. He's not thinking well, And and, I and I think... the,
1: to, to the scale of the problem, we need to we need to have a response that matches the scale of the problem. It's not rocket science and. I think he thinks that like sounding moderate is going to help his electoral chance which is very Joe Biden. Yeah. And that's sure. part of why I don't like Joe Biden. <laughs> because he's always, you know, like he doesn't get behind the good the right doing the right thing with as the moral arc of history has shown until it's popular, until it's good for his electoral success. It's like he's a politician or yeah, something. Yeah, he's it's he's, weird. Like the, he's the quintessential politician <laughs> and he's that's not we need a leader. Yeah. We don't need a politician. We need a leader,
0: and so I just yeah I I think yeah and to be a, and to be a moderate between oil companies and climate scientists that, that's that's not the right spectrum. <laughs> no, it's not the right spectrum. They right? don't it's... they don't
1: deserve a seat at the table. They're the ones profiting off the destruction of the world. They're I mean it's 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 homicidal. It's they're they they're not legitimate actors they're not good faith actors they're trying to make money and it's it's obvious
0: yeah and this brings us closer to to kind of the core of one of the things we want to talk about today which is we want to talk about climate change um so yeah so so joe biden attempting to somehow negotiate with uh, taking money from corporate capitalists so yeah so uh, so the climate change issue so this is kind of what we're here to have a little bit of a debate about or a discussion about um and i think we we are both on board um with the basics of climate science we both believe that there needs to be drastic actions taken now to address climate change but i think that we we have some disagreements in regards to how to get there and also maybe if there is finger pointing where to point fingers um and this kind of all um came to the fore because I, I made a couple of posts on social media, and I've had these discussions of late talking about um, um, where where these emissions are coming from, um, who maybe is to blame, or who maybe needs to change their action, and how do you change these actions? How do you create reform, right? Um, and so part of the background here is, um, for myself, is I, I originally studied cultural anthropology um, and then ecological anthropology. And from there, uh went to study at the New College of California and worked under Richard Heinberg, who was one of the first peak oil people. Um, and he wrote a book called The Party's Over, which was one of the first major books in the peak oil world. So he was talking about, you know, hey, we're going to hit this point where there's going to be diminishing returns in regards to oil, um, and it's going to transform everything. And he was very right about some things. He was very wrong about some things. But one of the things that... I think that background led me to was thinking about oil and gas and coal, fossil fuels and their role in society and civilization. Um, and their role in imperialism and capitalism. So that's a little bit of my background is, is thinking about oil and gas, fossil fuels and civilization in kind of a larger macro historical fashion. Um, and Matt, I know that for you, it's, it's a bit more. The political science component right i'm I'm assuming right
1: well yeah i mean i have have a background in political science and i guess more and 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 i'm i've been engaged as an activist in the political sphere where i'm focusing on elections a lot and so so and i think you know i think we have yeah we have the makings of a good discussion but without further ado i mean i think that that one of the key things that key key points here is that yeah um that's that statistic that 71% Seventy-one percent of climate change gases are coming from a hundred corporations, and for me, that that means okay. Our our individual Im- impact, our individual footprint as consumers, is significant, and we need to do that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I am saying I think that our if that our emphasis needs to enter the political sphere because the amount of change that we need to achieve i mean the the ipcc is saying that we have 11 years before there's a point of no return and if we if we don't radically transform our economies and our consumption habits and and all these things in, in 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 a short amount of time that that it's going to be a point of no return where where they're talking about the combined population of north and south america which is a lot of refugees imagine a world you know where there's that many refugees that's a hundred times the refugees that were around during world war ii um to put that in perspective so we're talking about real a real catastrophe and so i guess where the where this debate might go is how, how we have limited time and what we do matters where we put our emphasis matters and we need to make strategic decisions about our lives like we have to like it's a given we have to we have to fight back but where do we where do we put you know do we do we, is the best thing to do, and, and maybe it is an all of the above solution to, to make you know donations to Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders, um, or is it to buy put solar panels on your house, you know? And there's I think as a society we've or as a culture, at least you know in you know, the Mid Hudson Valley in a more progressive area, I've seen the focus be on your individual impact. Is the most important thing, you know. It's like there's sort of like almost righteousness. Like I'm worried about the local things, you know that 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 um, I think are important. I think we need to work on. But if everyone goes there and there's not a a, a tsunami in in elections, then we're not going to have. We're I don't think we're going to be able to effectuate the scale of change that is needed to address the crisis. Because if if it's corporate pollution that's doing it, then we need an actor that can deal on the corporate level, and that's governments. So it's like, okay. Know.
0: Well, and I guess that's, that's one of my first and foremost issues, right? So the, the study that was done, um, that identifies, uh, a hundred corporations, um, that are responsible for 70% of the carbon emissions. And they're talking about historically, I believe, right? I mean, they're talking about, they're talking about, uh, the greenhouse gases that are out there, and they're saying a hundred corporations are responsible for this. Um, and when you look at who they are, they're talking about oil and gas companies, right? And because I was really intrigued. I was like, okay, what companies are they talking about? Like, okay, how does that work? How is that number? How is that possible? And saying, okay, oh, it's oil and gas companies. And one of the first things I think that it I I, I found disingenuous about the kind of the take on it, which it depends on, I don't know, maybe not disingenuous, but that I think is opaque to people is that the oil and gas companies are not burning that oil and gas. That oil and gas is not being consumed directly by those corporations. They're profiting off it, and I have a problem with them profiting off of emitting fossil fuels or giving the fossil fuels to somebody else to emit, right? Especially because they knew that climate change was a thing. ExxonMobil knew that climate change was a problem decades ago. So are they culpable in climate change? Yes, should they be brought to court? Yes. Are they a serious problem still today? Are they making huge amounts of money off selling oil and gas? Yes. But the, the ExxonMobil is not, they are not the ones actually burning that oil and gas. That oil and gas is being burned, transport, transporting goods, powering civilization, powering cars, uh, feeding agriculture. Um, it is in being engaged and used in civilization. It is how we run civilization, um, modern, Western, or global capitalist civilization. And there's a reason to believe that we may have problems running a global civilization without fossil fuels. This is one of the main arguments that Richard Heinberg made and other people, which is that they're, they're dependent. You never would have had modern civilization. You never would have had transportation, capitalism, the telegraph, any of these things, refrigerated uh, train cars, um, f- food at the grocery store, electric lights. None of those things would have happened without fossil fuels. And that it, they're not just a part of industrialization and capitalism. They are industrialization and capitalism. So when we say a 100 companies We're, are a, yeah, they're a major component, let's say. Yeah, well, again, I mean, their argument would say it's not a major component. It's that all of the technology and all of the systems and institutions built upon that technology are all fundamentally dependent upon having a giant pile of easily accessed stored energy that we have at our fingertips. Sure. It's an integral part. Integral part. So when we say a 100 companies are responsible for those fossil fuel emissions, I think that it is slightly disingenuous because the reality is civilization itself. Civilization itself is responsible for those emissions. The
1: the point's fair, but I think I think my takeaway from from the Guardian article that references this study was that our individual impact, as you know, me, Matt, you, John, like, do we drive a Prius or do we drive a you know a Hummer? Um, Do we get do we do we get source our food locally? I think that all that stuff is part of celebrating the planet and life and earth and, and celebrating our, what I'd like to think is our victory to try to, to, to deal with climate change and, and, and make a decent life for our, for our kids. Um, I think that's really important, but it's not going to be enough to to tip to 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 stop the tipping point of, of point of no return with the climate. Or create a positive because, tipping because point. Because even yeah. if even even if all of us do that with a hundred percent success that are conscious, there's still gonna be these hundred corporations that are doing seventy percent of it. So our particular decisions about how, whether we drive a a car or a bike to work or plan our lives around being able to drive a bike to work even if we do that successfully, that's not going to be sufficient to stop the crisis. So there needs to be a political solution.
0: Well, and, and yeah. And, and again, I agree with a political solution, but I guess I, I disagree with how you get to a political solution and also, um, what that political solution looks like. So, and, and this, and this is what came up when I, when I posted online and I said, those emissions are not, you know, it's, it's not the CEO, uh, of these corporations, the CEOs of these corporations just pouring all the oil and gas into a big pile and lighting on fire. Those. Those fossil fuel products are getting into the hands of corporations and consumers and being used. So, and they're coming out of our tailpipes, especially as Westerners, especially as Westerners mm-hmm. with a little bit of disposable income. They're coming out of our tailpipes. They're a byproduct of us in, consuming. In our buttholes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and the mouths and buttholes of cows because consuming meat's a big part of this, but it's our electricity. It's our cars. I mean, it, it really truly is driving and and eating meat are two of the biggest drivers so so it's and it's and and people immediately responded by saying well you're just trying to tell us to take responsibility for our actions and consume more green and you know things that don't really work things that can't be scaled up on a large scale but i wasn't actually saying it's about living a pure life i, I i've tried i tried listen i my 20s were a mess because i was like wait a minute what's the carbon footprint of me buying these pants from California or like what's the carbon footprint of me buying this non-local organic brown rice from uh, from California um, or should I buy local, bre- you know, local or non-organic bread or should I buy organic bread that comes from Wisconsin and there was all of these questions about how to be an ethical consumer and it's exhausting and I think people are right to feel exhausted by it and to feel, disempowered by that process but that's not actually what i'm arguing for i guess um i so yeah again you know the idea of like yeah making those good decisions to feel like a good person and to be a a part of the solution i know i know that you try to do that you know i lived off the grid for 15 years like yes my
1: own water like solar panels and you know basically (laughs) roughed it um and, and so like i'm I, I And I don't want anyone for a second to think that I'm not – that I'm arguing against supporting your local CSA or that I'm arguing against being a conscious consumer. I'm just saying that I think that our individual – that we're maybe making more of our individual impact than if we're looking at like functionally solving the problem – because where it's going to be decided is on, on or is can we get a government that's going to really support a Green New Deal and do the kind of massive expenditures that are needed, a World War II-like effort where the people are united with the government in solving this problem, where if it's just, uh, just the people united
0: and we don't have the government, it's, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. So, okay. And, 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 and yeah. And I get that. And again, I'm, I'm supporting, I, I want there to be a Green New Deal. And I want the government to take action. Am I wary of a national government such as ours that is fundamentally designed to have compromise, um, be part of the process, uh, and that is currently controlled by a wealthy, small group of powerful, elite, uh, well financed individuals? Am I wary of it being able to address global climate change? Yes. Am I aware of its ability to construct a Green New Deal and pass a Green New Deal that is actually revolutionary? Fuck yes. As if, you should be. And I'm not arguing that it's gonna be easy. I'm just arguing we don't have a choice. <laughs> well, and, and I guess I, well, but, and I guess this is, the thing for me, so, and the original post that I posted was, I was saying this. I was saying, we do have the power in the sense that our lives, our lifestyles, and our money empower those corporations. ExxonMobil has money because we go to its gas stations and hand them our money and then they give us a product and we use those products.
1: Yeah. And so, so I think, I think one area and maybe just to make like a meta, just a meta statement about this debate and, and the podcast generally is we're not trying to debate to like win the discussion. We're, tra- we're, we're both kind of of the same minds. We have maybe different emphasis that we put diff- emphasis on different things, um, but we're trying to just trying to present the best arguments on both sides to try to get us a little closer to truth. So well, just, it, just to put the, to put that out there, and so and try to work together and use our different lenses to get a, a a better collective IQ. And so, and I think one of these areas with that sort of spirit in mind that our perspectives are can can be very harmonious is in consumer movements. You know, because that's not talking about just your individual impact; it's talking about a collective impact. And if we all say we're not going to buy the cars that that get shitty gas mileage, that is is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about bigger collective action as
0: opposed to just our individual decisions. Well, sure. And one of the first things I reference there is saying a boycott, a boycott yeah. of saying like, yes, you can have a climate strike, right. but there has no one has attempted at any point to organize a boycott of ExxonMobil. The greatest threat to humankind being climate change and the largest for-profit independent but why private Exxon oil. Mobil? I mean, I they cuz they're, they're, they're the largest for-profit independent corporate corporation. I mean, I you you can try to protest Saudi Aramco, but, like, but is buying
1: Citgo Exxon... that much better. Like I mean, yes it is. I know it's better than ExxonMobil cuz they're the ones giving the most money in campaign contributions. They're the biggest, they're the worst.
0: But giving to like, you know, Shell or BP, I mean, they're all no, guilty. And, well, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying a boycott in the sense of you don't buy gas. And I, right. and again, and, I, I want to, now we're talking. Well, and I, and I want to say something and I want to, I want to make this very clear and people came after me immediately and they were saying, well, you know, Hey, we can't, we can't just choose to consume green because electric cars are expensive and organic foods expensive. And I and I am not saying that anyone needs to make sacrifices that they can't afford. In fact, what I'm really That's a saying, really important point. well, what I'm really saying is that the global middle class, which is That's still about it is well, a few and fewer and fewer Americans, but about a 100 million Americans. And I mean, hey, it's about 300 million people in South Asia are considered middle class. And there are now hundreds of millions in China. But. It has been traditionally mostly Western white people, um, who have the ability to consume at will and be engaged in capitalist consumer society. And part of my large point of this is saying we are all consuming beyond our, our, mm-hmm. the earth's capacity to support us. Mm-hmm. And it's not just fossil fuels. And that's, and I think Greta brings this up over and over again is that she's saying it's not just fossil fuels. It's about all of the ecosystems, the entire biosphere is is providing goods at a rate that is unsustainable so deforestation right we're consuming those tree products we're also using that soil we're consuming that soil in uh growing food and in corrosive destructive uh, grazing practices so this isn't just about fossil fuels you know the 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 brazil the rainforest being on on fire um, parts of Indonesia being on fire, burning constantly, emitting huge amounts of carbon, the destruction of entire ecosystems, grassland ecosystems that are good at sequestering carbon, that these things are a product of us consuming too much, and that there is a global elite, a group of people, which it's not just the 1%. This is expanding and saying, there's a global 10%, and that global 10% is flying, they're eating red meat, and they're driving fucking cars everywhere. Right. And I'm part of them sometimes. As a I'm flying sometimes. I sometimes am eating may- maybe uh, too much meat or I'm, I do eat meat. And sometimes I eat conventional meat, you know. Uh, I try not to. I really try not to. But it happens. And I drive. I drive all the time. Hmm. So I, I am one of those people. And, and and this is tough because we I know we want to maintain a drumbeat of there is a 1%. And that 1% is doing fabulously well. But this, and this study aligns with that, there's a 1%. It's a hundred corporations controlled by a very small number of people who are who are the responsible party, mm-hmm. and I say sure, they have too much power. They have all they have tons of money, but they're not the ones eating all the meat, driving all the cars, and consuming all those resources. We are, right.
1: well, yeah. And I think I I, I I obviously agree with everything you're saying, and love and love that you're saying it. And I, part of one one potential space where we have commonality is that we need an all the above approach you know i think we need to radically change our consumption habits and that's just that that's the low-hanging fruit you know what whether we get government is a maybe whether we can get real government involvement in a green new deal is a maybe what we do is is a concrete you know art with our lives and so there's some there's something said you know the the the
0: a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush? Yeah, yeah. Which right. I did not understand for a very long time. I was like, I don't know what the fuck that means because so, I've never hunted. The bird
1: in the bush is, is the Green New Deal. Are we going to get government. Birds. Yeah. Um, the bird in the basket is what we're doing with our lives. And so, so I, think, I think one way to maybe think about this with you know, finding harmony be, between these two perspectives is that we need an all-of-the-above approach. We need to simultaneously look at our consumer habits as as privileged people in the western world and we need to be responsible for our governments that are that are really messing things up um but, and, and, be, and, yes. and and yeah so yeah and i think in I, all I think, of
0: the above. yeah i think a lot of people will agree on that but i guess the reasons the reason it's for me it's 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 so it's problematic and it's sticky and i need to like get into it, it, it over and over again is that um i think people are I do think very strongly that there is a very strong delusion that we can support 10 billion people, we can all have electric cars, and we can have green energy, and everyone can be comfortable and consume. And I don't think that is true. And I'm not saying that certain people should be deprived. Again, what I'm saying is that we need to address environmental justice and and economic justice as part of this. And to say, the idea that like... The idea that we are all going to be able to, yeah, again, get in a car and drive to work, um, and eat food from all over the world, and consume a lot of electricity, and live in a modern, complex civilization that idea will directly lead into politics that will be watered down Green New Deals. And those watered down Green New Deals will do this. They'll make it more efficient to consume resources. So we can still have electricity because we're being more efficient. We're using more efficient light bulbs, more efficient transmission towers. Um, we're cons- pr- producing more of it through renewable energy. But the reality is at the core of the system is still going to be capitalism and consumerism. And we're still going to be burning oil and gas. It's not going to stop. We so, need to.
1: I mean, th- we don't have a choice.
0: We don't exactly have a choice. So what it means is they're still continues to be a dwindling pool of resources on earth while there is a growing population. And those dwindling resources go to the wealthy. They go to the, the Western world or they go to the, the if, if it's the middle class of China and India, they go to capitalists there, but they go to a small elite group of people who are in the inside circle of consumerism and who drive the global consumerist capitalist system. And it, nothing solved. Because it means that like, hey, we get to continue to maintain ten billion people on earth who are living beyond who many of them are living beyond their means. So I, I but guess do you,
1: but do you have do you think we actually have time to, to, to take on global capitalism in the next eleven years? I well
0: this is the argument. <laughs> and this is I, I don't think that we can stop global warming unless we do. I don't think that there is a capitalism that is a green capitalism.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we're sort of we were not left with great options. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of is what the moral of the story is. But I, I, I am like on a, on a practical, fundamental, like step by step domino. How does this play out? How does how what does victory look like? I do question. You know, um, well, God it, bless. You know, Extinction Rebellion. I mean, I've, I've read some of the manifesto, and I'm a huge fan of what they're doing, and 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 want to be involved and excited and i love the 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 paradigm shift narrative of the extinction and that's a necessary thing but but there are are talking about about capitalism falling and i'm just my only my only like sticky point there is that i'm just worried that like full-scale rebellion which is what we need to see for global capitalism to fail would take time and there'd be all sorts of growing pains. And I'm wondering if we can deal no, with both things at once. Well, yeah, and I get that. And I Although, get that we need it. I, I mean, I get your thinking that global capitalism is clearly in, is what's driving the climate crisis. So I understand the feeling. Of Although it's, it's,
0: it's tricky because global capitalism is also my way of paraphrasing modern civilization because I think they are intertwined. And so that gets into a yeah. deeper thing. But I, well, I guess one, one way of saying this is that, you know, there's some been, there's some polling that's been done on, um, especially on, on Democrats and on liberals and their perception of race, right? Um, and they have recently kind of come around in the polling, um, to, really believing that racism has been enough of a burden. (laughs) They're finally getting there enough of a burden that, um, maybe reparations might need to happen or that, that racism is real and their privilege is real, that these issues are finally coming to the fore within certain groups of people who are already considering themselves liberals or Democrats in the modern world, which democratic party obviously has been a little bit more progressive on race in the last 40 years, 50 years. Um, so, uh, and, and because of that, they may be supporting legislation that is more progressive or they may be supporting actually addressing the fundamental issues. And for me, for us to address extinction and global climate change, that we need to a- account for our privilege and our role in it. And that ExxonMobil is an American corporation that provides Americans with heat, meat, comfort, gas, And transportation. And we fucking love it. And we're not being honest about it. We're being deeply dishonest. And we're saying... We're saying these corporations... They're the 100 bad guys. And we're not looking at our own shit. And we will not support... The revolutionary, even in the the Green New Deal, has revolutionary components. It has components of saying, "Yes, we're going to help you know communities of color, um, and we're going to help um, people who have been screwed in the modern e- economic and system."
1: Decentralizing energy.
0: Yes, so there are power. some revolutionary like, components. People
1: have panels, you know, as opposed to it just coming from one source, one corporation, where we've consolidated wealth. We're talking about putting panels on everyone's house, so everyone gets to get the benefit.
0: Yeah, so there's revolutionary components, but those revolutionary components are going to be jettisoned first and foremost, because those are potentially going to cost money, or some people are going to feel like losers, and some people are going to feel like winners, whatever it is, but um, having... Uh, renewable energy, having, having a, a fuel efficient vehicles, that would be an example of like, okay, yeah, we can do that again, even though Trump just fucking, you know, is fucking over California and their ability to say that we want higher fuel efficiency standards and lower emissions. But we could go back, we could go back to saying, yeah, it's got to be 50 miles per gallon. But guess what? 50 miles per gallon cars means Americans and wealthy people all over the world get to keep driving. And it doesn't address the fact that, you know, billions of people in the world lack transportation, have no money, and don't have the ability to go for a joyride when they want, and cannot drive to a hospital if they need to. It does not address that issue. And it means that, again, if it's 55 miles per gallon, if it's 60 miles per gallon, we're still burning oil. We're still burning gas. It does not address that but issue. Do you
1: think it's practical to think that people are just going to not buy gas? I mean, is that do you think that's a viable... movement tactic
0: well and and this this is what i got a lot of pushback on is like saying well don't we we need regulations people are selfish we need regulations right i I think you would agree yeah i would agree
1: well (laughs) people yes but particularly corporations where these you know people get together and and because they're operating together under some you know, organization that's an organization because it's written down on paper, they can do horrible things. And
0: yeah. Yeah. So yeah, regulations and government. Right. And I, and I agree and I support it. Although I also, I also recognize government is flawed in its ability to regulate at times. I'm not, I'm not like a libertarian. I'm not saying the government can't do anything right. I think the government should be doing a lot more, but I also am like, I'm going to be honest. I, I believe that if the government is regulating, um, um, uh, behaviors and trying to encourage fewer carbon emissions, that it won't always be done in a fair-handed way, and it won't be done in a maybe a social justice-oriented way, and it won't be done in a way that somehow helps people in Bolivia get redress for environmental injustice that's been done against them, or people in um, the Maldives who are dealing with those things. So, I, again, what I'm what I what I'm saying over and over again, and people uh, is not saying that you have to start eating an you know, organic local salad. It's saying you are integrated into a large system Um and the system is designed to feed you and provide for you and it is destroying the world. <laughs>
1: <Right>. Yeah. <and laughs> is that dark? Is that dark? Okay. I mean, I guess I, I do think it's an important thing like the cost of hybrid vehicles, the cost of local food, And I think – I just want to, like, say, like, I think we all need to think – we all need to make that decision for ourselves as far as, like, what we can afford. But I think we all need to be thinking about pushing the envelope of whatever that is. You know, um, I think for some people that that's going to mean – only buying you know if you're of a certain economic bracket yeah you should only be buying local food you shouldn't you should only be driving a fuel efficient vehicle i think that's going to be a different equation for somebody who's who is not making a lot of money maybe is is single with kids um that's not practical and that's okay and we're not for a second saying like shaming but just putting a general call out there let's all try to do you know what we can to, to, to use our economic dollars to, to create power for good in terms of the climate. I, again, yes,
0: I, I agree, and that's part of a uh, part of what I'm arguing. But it, it's also, uh, I, I'm not arguing that. I am arguing that we need to transform our perception of reality, and that our perception our perception of reality is faulty. I I believe. Well, for one, I I I I deeply disagree. That the earth can support 11 billion people who are living comfortably. This has been bandied about by some socialists and by some Marxists that the only reason that we can't live comfortably is because of inequality. And I disagree. I, 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 if you, if you look at inequality and say, okay, Jeff Bezos has 129 billion dollars he's making or, you know, that he's made, that's his wealth, right? Jeff Bezos does consume too much he consumes too many resources. Yes. Fuck that. He he doesn't need that yacht. He doesn't need all of that shit, you know? But at the same time, if you gave billions and billions of dollars like that to people to consume in a consumerist capitalist system without regulation, kind of like modern America, if you gave that those billions of dollars to them, I believe that they would burn more gas, eat more meat, buy more clothes, And emit more carbon. So, and and so this is what and 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 I and I support I support taxing the wealthy and I support helping those who are impoverished. Mm -hmm. But the way in which we help them, if we're helping them become better capitalist consumers who consume too many goods and destroy the biosphere, that's not helping. Right. Well, this brings up a good point that I think supports
1: the argument that you've been making, which is that a political solution alone. Is insufficient and that we need a cultural shift there needs to be it needs to be part of of who we are as a people saving this saving this planet saving this species saving the climate um and the way we think the way we approach you know that that hamburger we're about to bite into you know and and do i do i really need this hamburger do i really need to
0: fly do i really need this that or the other thing. Well, yes, I, it, but again, I think that you're keeping it too individualistic. I, I'm saying, part of what I'm saying is we have to destroy consumerism. Consumerism, the, the core of like what Captain. Consumerism cap- is a, like a concept. Is how, what do you mean? Like it's. The cult of consumerism, for one, right? This is part of what we have to talk and about. And what does that look like? What does it look like to destroy the cult of consumerism? Yeah, like work backwards. We just, we just destroyed well, the cult of consumerism. Sure. What happened? Okay. Well, th- there's a ton of, there's a ton of different ways to do it. One would be, providing people with the ability to do something meaningful with their lives instead of just consuming goods right there's there's an element of the green new deal and there's an element of all these things which is no you get to keep, you get to keep consuming you just get solar panels and an electric vehicle and you get you know some more efficient foods whatever it is but destroying the cult of consumerism and saying yes consumerism itself consuming resources it, bringing them in and then shitting out garbage and carbon emissions and uh and plastic and you know uh, microplastics and all this stuff that that is is a core part of your identity, why you are alive and like what's the best like dopamine trigger you got is like yeah I'm buying new stuff and saying we cannot have a sustainable world and we cannot address climate change, we cannot stabilize the climate unless we confront consumerism as a I,
1: I agree, I just don't know how. You know, like. <laughs> hey, this is a
0: big, this is the thing. Well, a part, part of, I think, doing that is being honest. And we're not being honest. We're saying that we can have the federal government, which is controlled for the most part by corporate corrupt individuals, right. pass so like legislation. Like we le- have a problem. Like, yes, like and say, oh, I know who will help me. I'll go ask the out, the, the manufacturers of, uh, alcohol to stop selling me alcohol and be like, what? That's your salute. Cause the, the oil and gas companies own a large port proportion or a large number of people within the government. They, the, the corporate capitalist powers fueled by fossil fuels and consumers and everything else own a lot of the world governments, own a lot of politicians. They own them. And we're saying, please, can you help us? Tell us to stop doing this. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> we'll, 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 break your addiction. Well, that's why we need publicly financed campaigns.
1: Ah, here we go. Gosh. Boom. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, the, that's what the, this organization, the people's empowerment project, like our, our cornerstone issue and we're involved in a lot of stuff, but that's what it comes back to is we need, we need people to run for office on a clean elections fund where they get money from a clean fund where there's no strings attached, um, with you no know, favors and so when that oil pipeline executive comes to you as a politician if you want run on the clean elections fund you can tell that oil pipeline no we're not going to build the pipeline through the school playground you have to go you know wait in line with everyone else that's here to see me today Where, since i got elected on the clean elections fund i don't owe any favors to any special interest and yeah. so and so that's part of what you know agreed the, the, agreed. the, the political solution sure yes a- agreed, although. And we should probably plug Democracy Coffee. Um, but w- this is, this, this podcast is not brought to you by any corporate sponsors. Um, <laughs> it's brought to you by our goodwill here is largely volunteers. Um, and, uh, Democracy Coffee is what makes this sort of able to, to keep happening. So let's we'll just leave it there and get back to the discussion.
0: Okay. <laughs> Part of this is me tempering expectations is saying, If you think, like, hey, I am hopeful that we have a politician who supports clean and fair elections, who is willing to take on the oil companies. But if you think that we are going to be able to address global climate change and the mass extinction we have on Earth without addressing capitalism, consumerism, and comfort, Mm -hmm. I just think that you are being... Dishonest, but I think it's beyond, beyond being dishonest. I think that you are, you are lying to yourself. And I, and I think there's a big, a big part of the whole discussion is people don't want to admit that they have privilege, especially when they feel like they're getting fucked. Cause a lot of Americans feel like they're being screwed over. They're not getting paid enough. They're stressed out. Their health insurance is crap, right? It's hard for them to pay the bills. But there are people all over the world living on a dollar, two, three dollars a day. And we're complaining about, like, wow, man, I am struggling to pay my, my bill. I have my phone bill, my cable bill, my electric bill. I got my car. I got, you know, it's, it's really stressful. And the reality is, yes, it is stressful. It's terrible. I'm living in that. But the reality is you have a fucking car, you have central heat, you have electricity, you have a phone that can connect you to anything in the world, you have cable, you have a million privileges that no one in the history of the world ever had. You're consuming these resources. Your phone is being shipped across the ocean. Your car is consuming oil and gas. You're relying on central heat. People in my neighborhood who don't have that much money are running air air conditioning units all day and all night now in October. We, we consume because it's easy and we consume because it's designed to be that way. Corporate capitalism wants us to consume, right? And we, we are consuming more than our fair share so, and we yeah. don't want to admit it. So we need a consciousness shift. And we need a consciousness I, shift.
1: I think in order to, to address the political situation, we need a consciousness shift. Well, we either and, way, we need a consciousness shift.
0: And one way or another, we, we need to confront our privilege and our complicity. Because the reality is we, if, if we think we can give $3 like two or three times to a political candidate and go knock on doors for a couple hours, this is like literally what my plan is. I'm giving some money to Bernie Sanders. I'm going to go knock on some doors for him. And I'm going to hope that he is the, the nominee, right? Um, if, I, if, if, if I'm telling myself that's enough, that's not enough. That's not revolutionary. It is not revolutionary. And if we are, if, if we're talking about ending a war, like ending the war in Vietnam, you have to be a revolutionary, right? And even revolutionary action by millions of people didn't end that war. If we want to address climate change, the level of revolutionary action, which in, in teamed up with self-reflection and honesty and hard, hard, hard truths, we are not fucking there.
1: Basically, unless you're like, running from house to house with a gun shooting at people, you're not satisfied with, like, w- w- what 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 would define revolutionary? Like, I just, like... <laughs> no, there's no violence in the guns. Like, Why are you <laughs> bringing it there? Well, I, I guess, like, no. I mean, I, 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 well, would, here, I would say, I mean, I, I don't want to be, like, you know, say that I'm drinking the, the, the Kool-Aid, per se, with the, the revolution that Bernie Sanders is doing with, like, a million donations. I mean, I feel like that's kind of revu- revolutionary. There's never been a campaign... That's been funded by small donors. This is a new—I mean, other than the primary and last, you know, and when Bernie was running last time, sure. this is the first time we'd have like a really serious contender too. Actually, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Hey, again, i am
0: um, i am so excited it's happening.
1: And I think that's pretty revolutionary. And I think if you look at the the records, like a lot of the Scandinavian countries are basically killing it in As far as the climate com- relative to, to, to what's going on over here across the pond. So I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I don't want to like, I feel like there's always this like race to sound like the more extreme or because like the, the, the problem is so extreme that the more extreme you sound as like a solution, the more you sound in line with the problem. I felt that a little bit in Occupy, um, But I I, I do genuinely wonder about, practically speaking, I think maybe transitioning the United States from, like, Wild West corporate capitalism gone wild apeshit crazy to a Scandinavian democracy and implementing a Green New Deal without, like, you know, violence. um, yeah, I, again, I'm not advocating for violence. <laughs> I am not. Uh, but, 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 but what do you mean by revolution? Do you mean that it can't happen politically? It can't happen oh, in this well, electoral a re- system. A
0: revolutionary activity would this be this? Saying I am not going to participate in doing business with oil and gas companies. I am not going to do work but we, and and again but people, we need subsidies people, for solar so we know, can actually that make that a reality well yes we need and to no. work within we yes need to and
1: take no. over our government i only had it i only know a
0: couple people in my life that i have known that are willing to say well you know what if i can't do this right now without deeply compromising my beliefs i'm not going to do it i'm not going to do it and I'm going, or I'm going to say, fuck it. I'm going to live off the grid as you have done, or fuck it. I am going to say, yes. I'm prioritizing a completely different set of, set of values other than capitalism. And again, in, and I know that most people feel like they can't do it, but the reason they feel like they can't do it is because of consumerism and capitalism, and because of inequality within a capitalist system. Because they feel trapped, they feel like there is not. They have to live the life they're living. When in reality, again. There are people living with no heat and no cars and no technology on, bar- on cents a day, and it's and it's to say I don't want pe- I don't want everyone to be living that way, but yeah, I want to I, like I want it's say, a bad sales pitch, man. No, like, it's, it's going to well, be no, hard
1: but- to get a mass movement of like, all right, let's all move out of our houses and like you know, like I just I can't see that. I don't see that being. I mean, all of it. Well, like, sure. Because no, the there's no easy solution, and like, I don't. Like, it's also, I would not necessarily bet that we have winning odds to make the United States a Scandinavian democracy in within the next eleven years. Sure, that's so, part uh, of the issue. So it's, it's like it's, it's easy for us to say, "Oh yeah, that's just like impractical," because they're both impractical. <laughs> we have no great solutions. It's a question of like which is the less, the lesser like or which the what's the least impractical and well, i feel like okay, okay. you know
0: well, well I, I, part 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 of all of this is me having a deep gut inclination that there's no way you save the world without sacrifice it doesn't happen Sure. And if you think that the sacrifice is having to read the news and being stressed out by it and maybe donating some money, that if you think that's the sacrifice to save the world, it's not going to get fucking saved. It's just not going to happen because there there has to be a cost, and and the idea that we can only make the cost externalized to a hundred companies and to yeah, but I'm not hundreds, saying I feel
1: like yeah, I'm not saying that that's what.
0: Well, I, well, I mean, what we're saying is no. We want the government to be the ones to be the regulators of the cost, right? To say, okay, these these are some the people that have to pay more. This is maybe we have to we have to regulate certain kinds of consumption because the reality is, if we yeah. actually came down to it, it would come to regulating a lot more.
1: See, I'm not, I'm not saying like it's like you know we're trying to absolve you know say government and absolve ourselves of responsibility. I'm saying we need two components you know, working backwards from the success where we avert disaster is we got culturally people got on board and got their consumption patterns and checked and made sacrifices politically. We, we knocked on doors. We made phone calls. We gave our $5, you know, every month or whatever it is to the, to the campaigns that are going to support that Bernie Warren. Um, Let's keep it real. And, that that happened too. So both of these things need to happen. Either one of them doesn't happen. We fail. And I think that there is a little bit of societal delusion from my perspective that we can, like nobody wants to get involved in politics. I feel like I'm not nobody, but like generally speaking, I think people would be much more likely to want to go, you know, picking vegetables and, 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 and focusing on their local impact because you have real time reward. You're seeing. I make an impact. I got local food. I rode my bike. It happens. It's real. There's some gratification. Where the political schlag is so much, like, so much uncertainty mm. that I think it's harder psychologically to get engaged with that. And so I, what I'm seeing in my circle, and you know, who cares? It's, it's one person. Um, in my circle, I'm seeing people being a hundred times more in, interested in the local impact compared to the political. Because the political is like, oh no, I don't do political. No, right. I hear
0: you. I hear you, and that's a great point. But I, I guess, um, yeah, right. People want to, people want to go to the farmers market. They want to they want to live a comfortable life. Blah blah blah. And I but, I, but and I yes. love that. Great. I, I do that. Great. You know, I go to the yeah. farmers market. But I get it. But I guess what I What I see is, okay, I I think people want to do those things, but those things are still part of, for one, it's green consumerism, right? And this is connected into the concepts of Green New Deal, which is, yeah, I'm going to keep consuming, but I'm going to consume better products and cleaner products and... And there are some problems there because people don't even fucking do the research, right? People don't actually know necessarily that the products they're consuming are greener. One of the biggest things, I was in farming. I was an organic farmer. And one of the things I realized was that every time we took a truck trip in our truck, we were being incredibly inefficient. We were driving lettuce. We were cutting. We were doing high-end spring mix and uh, lettuce mixes. And we were driving lettuce, which is nutritionally barely a fucking food, um, in a highly inefficient pickup truck from one location to another and then putting it in another truck in a box truck and driving it um a short distance and realizing that that was at high, a higher carbon footprint than a larger more efficient system that was not using those forms of transportation and that in reality a lot of farmers markets and a lot of times when you're buying stuff from local far- farmers markets the economies of scale are so small and the and the fuel consumption is so high that it's it's not a better carbon footprint than eating like large-scale produced organic products huh. that are being shipped from somewhere else. I because, never even thought about it like that. I, I mean and, and there's a lot of research and I've had this debate for a long time. I'm going to shout out to Mary Far if anybody knows her, go debate her with this. But that there are a lot of inefficiencies in small scale agriculture. There are, I have arguments for why you would support those inefficiencies just so you have farms, just so there is food locally um when certain circumstances occur, like if there are droughts or if there are hurricanes or if there are, you know, you know there's reasons to support farms huh. for economic reasons, social justice reasons, environmental reasons, collapse reasons. Um But, yeah, consumerism being like, I'm going to focus on my community, I'm going to focus on my life, and we're going to all have a nice, crunchy, cool, green life is, again, not what I'm advocating for. Well, it's delusional because you
1: know? it's not going to solve the problem, right? It's not, I mean, I mean would you agree... That unless we have like a, a massive like government slash cultural slash taking action like World War Two type effort towards climate change, we're gonna
0: fail. I yes no I I agree I agree but I I do not believe that the idea that the government is going to lead that process we we already know it's not. The government is not leading that process. Oh well, no, yes. currently the no, government currently it is not. We need to take over and under- our government and make it lead that process. Sure, but we will not demand that process unless we actually come into being honest and account for what the system is. And part of this does come down to also something that's really intense, which is civilization may not be sustainable. Civilization itself may not be sustainable. Almost every civilization that has ever existed has exceeded their capacity to sustain the civilization. They've used up too many resources. They cut down too many trees. They destroyed their soil. They uh, caused the salinization of the soil. Um, they killed all the animals within 100-mile radius. Civilization itself consumes and destroys resources. I, I think there's a lot of things pointing to that
1: we may not make it. We may not make the, this, this 11 year tipping point, but like my perspective is even if there's a chance, like just a tiny chance, I mean, most people I talk to, they're like, yeah, I don't think, I think it's already passed. Like every, and it's true. Every climate report that comes out seems to suggest things were worse than previously thought. And you know, if I were to bet on it, not, I don't know that I'd bet on this. I hate to say it, but that doesn't matter. I care so much about the people around me, my friends, kids, even if there's a glimmer, even if there's just a tiny scintilla, scintilla is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> even if there's a tiny tiny little speck of hope that we Iota. we can save it. I'm going to I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to fight that fight. Sure.
0: But I I always say but but and I have a kid. I have a kid. I'm in that. I'm in that world. But there's a reason to argue that if our future is one in which climate change is uh, wreaking havoc across the globe, if it is, um, if it's damaging harvests, if it is making certain places unlivable, which it already is, we may be able to mitigate some of the impact of climate change. We can't stop it we that's kind of where we are. So if we do our best to mitigate it in that world, we are still in a world that is hot and crowded and there are limited resources. And in that world, we still need to figure out how to live without consuming more than our fair share. That's going to be, I think I, I believe that this will be the biggest moral challenge and intellectual challenge of our lives and our children's lives is how do you live Without taking more than your fair share. How do you live with others? And how do you address the inequalities that you're, you're being handed? And we're beginning to have that conversation by saying those billionaires have too much, but it's going to come down to I have two bowls of brown rice and somebody else has none. And how do I address that? And every day what, when we talk about transforming the world, we're sitting down to two brown bowls of brown rice and a tank full of gas and electricity. And we're saying, man, I hope somebody else would do something about this. And the reality is we can do something about it. We are the ones who give the oil companies their money. We are the ones who empower the entire global capitalist system. And we're saying, man, I hope somebody comes in and forces us to do the right thing. And so again, a part of this is maybe for me, not about global climate change. It's about fairness and equality and justice. And, I don't think we can ad- address global climate change without it, and I don't think that we can live in a world in which global climate change is real without addressing equality and justice. Because then we have to lose our soul. We do. We have to build walls. We have to build walls and say, fuck you, this is my kids' food, not your fucking kid's food. There's a limited pool of resources and you don't get mine.
1: Yeah. I'm not that's not a world that I want to live in or those no. kids in.
0: It's not it's not one I want to live in. And it's and it's one that I think a watered down green new deal would lead us to.
1: We can't have a watered down green deal. We just, there's no,
0: no, <laughs> no watered down green new deal. We need a bigger, better green new deal. We need a UN level green new deal. We need deals between the United States and developing nations. And we need to say, no, sorry, well, we, we need, owe you. We, yeah.
1: The ignorance of our country to to deny people refugee status when our government overthrew their democracies. It just, it blows my mind. And one way that we can start dealing with this climate crisis is by investing in reparations to to allow countries that we've harmed, that we've put them in this position as a people to, to, to support their green infrastructure development. And that needs to happen, and and I feel really strongly about that. Amen, amen. Maybe we should maybe we should end it there. Yeah, we got to end it there. Yeah, I think
0: we can we can we can agree. We need we need to we need to right our wrongs. We need a revolution. But John, (laughs) thank you so much. No problem. was great. My pleasure. Matt, uh, thank you so much for your work. I appreciate it deeply. Thanks. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Bye.